I'm excited to get into this later weirder stuff that I don't really remember anything about, like these weird little uh, bat, robot, reindeer, elf-looking motherfuckers that show up. Yeah. Then they yeah. return to Bruce Wayne. Uh, the one-eyed. They, so they do show up in Bruce Wayne? Yeah, there's, you know, they're like these little curly Q motherfuckers. Um, I don't know how to describe them. I was thinking, though, if I got shot with one of those dark side rays and got to sent, go back into the past, maybe I could go back and fix the things that are wrong with me. To per, you know, to uh, ain't nothing wrong with you, baby. It's Josh. Hey, buddy. Hello, can you hear me? Hey, oh, there he sure is. can. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Batman in Quarantine episode. I did look at it beforehand, and I already forgot. 36. So we're getting very close. This is the closest we've ever gotten down to the wire in terms of uh, recording and producing episodes. But uh, we're going to be talking about issue number 700 of Batman on this year episode of Batman in Quarantine. So if anyone needed to track down this issue or needs help tracking down this issue let us know we do have copies of it at the store but it isn't in a paperback that is easy to access i don't think i think that it's in time in the batman which is no longer in print hmm. um, I meant to be. yeah that's too bad it's a very good issue oh my goodness did you hear that like the sound of a cherub an angel from on high we have a special guest well listen i'm as always jeff i'm roman as I'm Puddin'. And we got Puddin'. And we have a very special guest who's been mentioned many times on this podcast, has sent an amazing email in, Mr. Joshua Kinney. Josh, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm so excited and just like honored to be a part of this grand project that has really like ferried me through quarantine time. I can't believe that people would be honored so that <laughs> yeah. makes me feel very good this um i'm honored i'm honored people want to like do this with us <laughs> yeah if, if anything it's like please someone show up so that we're not screaming into the void and, and and pretend that this is happening so i'm excited to get a little bit of josh's backstory here but i'm going to toss some backstory out as well i met justin who i spend a huge deal of my life with while working at barnes and noble but I simultaneously met Josh at the exact same time because those boys would come in together while I was working, not because I was working, but just because Barnes and Noble and comics and coffee and hanging out. Um, and I had put Batman, the black mirror is my staff pick um, by Scott Snyder and Josh and Justin had seen it, but I know Josh is like the particularly big black mirror fan or Scott Snyder fan. And I think that in getting to know you guys, I think, that for the first several times I saw the two of you, Justin was much quieter. For sure. So, Absolutely. So yeah. Josh was the person who like, I kind of met and formed the first relationship with just by virtue of him being a, a more loud person, which is a crazy way to describe Josh because uh, he's not a, a particularly loud person, but it, it's uh, a, a fond memory for me because now I know Justin... Uh, or more to the point, Justin knows me better than just about anybody on the planet. So um, I am so grateful for those times where you guys came into Barnes & Noble because it's enriched my life endlessly since then. Josh, can you give us some of your, like, Batman? You like Batman. Give us your history. Tell people why you like Batman or Grant Morrison or what any of this is. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been a Batman man for a while, but at first I was a Batman boy, <laughs> the Bat Boy, and like so many of us, like 90s babies Batman was a big part of my early life and then I got distracted with the, like the Digimon the Pokemon the Dragon Ball Z easy the Spider-Man easy to do but then when I was about 12 when Justin and I were about 12 he lent me the Batman hush trades and I just like opened them up on my couch and I was just like my soul was gone after that <laughs> it was just dedicated to the bat and everything that would be the bat um and so I spent middle school covertly without anyone in school knowing collecting anything i'd get my hands on 
which wasn't too much with the allowance of ten dollars a month. You know, like <laughs> didn't get me so far. I'm gonna get those comics with my yeah, money. But I was Made you hungry though. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like the thirst, yeah, and the hunt. But then, you know, high school comes along and trying to like make cool friends and then first girlfriend, you know, stuff like that. So I lost track of the bat. But one day my girlfriend at the time, she couldn't make a meet like little friend meeting and so she informed me that i would be going in her stead and so had a nice little lunch at a and w with one of her friends (laughs) and then jeff i know you'll know this too but i stopped at hastings on the way home because this is in spokane oh yeah which is an old um kind of like trade in your like cds and comics and movies and everything for credit you know, you could turn in like $500 worth of stuff for like 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, for sure. It's you know, an absolute like rip that. of a pawn shop type of a place. But I right. bought a lot of music, movies, and books from there for sure. Yeah, it was just like so much fun. But I just stopped in kind of randomly and picked up, I think, the second to last issue of RIP without really knowing anything of the Grant Morrison run. And I was just like, I thought it was like sacrilegious, you know, all these like <laughs> kind of C-listers and Batman's kind of like gone crazy and robin's teamed up with like this knight you know and like so it like offended me at first but i was just like yeah because like again i came off of hush you know as kind of like my biblical text which is like the most steak and potatoes batman story and then this you know is just like the craziest thing i had read in there and so again like was offended and i thought i didn't like it but then i spent all this time getting the issues backwards and then forwards to catch up. And I kept doing like research into it. And then Justin and I started talking about it. And that's about when he moved back to Spokane after being in Stanwood. And that was just our life, you know, blackest so, night. Oh, yeah. So for, yeah, for as much, for as much as I do and don't know about Justin, I cannot really keep track of where, what town he lived in for what years. He just was like a mobile unit. He's just like, yeah, I don't even really know. Of Washington State. Yeah, just like, you know, he's either in Stanwood or he's in Spokane or he's Belling. I don't know, a lot of different yeah. places. And uh, and when he was reading comics, where um, just always like, I can't create a map of where he I was any of this stuff was coming out. I try to edit like the stand or minimize the Stanwood parts of like my, uh, you know, timeline as much as I can because those were the worst times. And if I didn't have Batman, I would probably, who knows where I'd be. But I loved because Hush was the thing that like for me as well was like I haven't read Batman in ten or fifteen years, and then I read Hush and I was just like, what is this? Like uh, it was the thing that did like peak my interest again. And you have like a pretty scholarly approach to batman since all of that you you got deep in the water and uh now i think that you probably have a better view of like the overall canon and history of batman than i do um which isn't to say i know a ton romans the 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 titan here actually and justin knows you know about about the histories as well um but i'm very excited to have you on board because this issue travels the time and the batman it it it, takes us from the left to the right, not politically, just time-wise. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, so. I'm, I'm super pumped that you were in to be on for this issue. And I hope that, like I said, the listeners are all able to track down this issue. It does not have any like incredibly huge spoilers for the Batman run. So if you are having a hard time finding this, you're not missing a piece that's going to um, ruin your enjoyment of the entire series, but it is still like a pretty important integral. You know, it's part of the Morrison run. Does that seem fair? Do you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It does spoil Batman Beyond, though, so watch out, guys. <laughs> yeah, it does in its own little way, but it's it's not an essential part, but it's just like a nice little gem within yeah, the entire yeah. thing. And, you know, it wouldn't be jeff if he didn't say something about how we do get seven pages or six pages of or something of frank quietly art so right that's that's just like christmas anytime i get to open up a book and see frank quietly's art in there i'm like i'm gonna freak out a little bit hey roman did you track down this issue i did i did well i got well i got the uh the grant morrison batman omnibus volume two uh, (laughs) which has it all you know everything in there in in chronological order which is uh, a huge benefit for this run which is you just almost schizophrenically all over the place so the credits for this it's 
yeah, yeah, Justin, get oh, in. I did just wanted to say something yeah. about the schizophrenic nature of both Josh's experience with Batman and this this particular issue is Josh, maybe you had the hardest cold open to this Morrison run because like by the time I got it, I had read some of Batman and Son and was aware like, oh, Morrison's the weird guy that maybe I like, but I'm in denial about. And mm-hmm. then Jeff, like, you probably started towards the beginning of the run with this run. Josh just picked like a random issue of RIP and then went back. Like, I would have, I don't know if I'd be a Batman fan if I started with like issue two of RIP and saw that tin-headed cowboy guy and yeah you know, like buckethead yeah. E- yeah even even if you started like in the first issue of r.i.p i still feel like that has got to be one of the divinely unrewarding ways to stumble into the grant morrison batman run right just like what the fuck is going on here right yeah, it's amazing in context but out of context like... right yeah and he's just not bruce wasn't acting like himself like the issues before that with like jezebel jet and he's just like kind of freaking out and beating the shit out of other people. Right. So what, what's go? what's, what's happened to my, my, man? my Batman. Yeah. Oh, my Batman. Um, well, so the credits on this issue, it's written by Grant Morrison. Of course, it's got uh, pages three through 10 are done by Tony Daniel pages 11 through 18 are by Frank quietly and Scott Collins doing a Scott Collins style. That doesn't look anything like his stuff from like the flash. Um, yeah. Then Andy Kubert does 19 through 27 and then david finch does 28 through 33 so it is an oversized issue this is the one episode we're going to be putting out this week to get a a head start on the following week's episodes we're going to gain some ground roman and justin we're going to get it all back we're gonna it'll be fine we'll be fine it's gonna be fine i just want to point out that this title page was designed by steve wands i just gotta you know we gotta let gotta let the fans know steve wands designed the fuck out of that title page. (laughs) yeah we have not talked nearly enough about steve wands i love a red underline in title page (laughs) yeah (laughs) so just gotta get that out there guys design the shit out of it so this issue is called One Impossible Crime, Time in the Batman. It takes place over three time periods, the first of which being early on in Batman being Bruce and hanging out with T- uh, Dick Grayson as Robin. And they are introduced to a doctor and some stuff happens, but then we do a time jump forward to uh, when Dick Grayson is Batman with Damien. And we are introduced to a locked door murder where the doctor from the first part is found murdered, but older than he should be. And then we jump to a future scene, which is Damien in the six, six, six universe, you know, timeline. And he confronts that doctor as well as some crazy new Morrison villains from the future. Uh, a mystery is solved, and then we get a sort of very Morrison-esque, let's just jump into the for- future and look at the legacy of Batman. I'm very excited to talk about those last several pages with Josh, and uh, because Scott Snyder does a certain thing with sort of the legacy of Batman in the future, and Morrison right. has a very different thing, and as a Scott Snyder fan, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that. But before that, let's start at yesterday. Mm-hmm. Do we feel like this is a good spot? So, Josh, you read the issue, but we have the omnibus. Do we feel like 700 is a good issue to be in the middle of the omnibus? Like, speaking about time. Yeah, time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so, just because, like, the story is split up, like, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Even the artists, too. You know, so you just get a little dab of the highlights of your entire, like, like Odyssey, like the longest bat Odyssey of them all. And so interesting that you would mention Odyssey because in the issue that this originally came out in, I think it has preview pages for the Neil Adams written and drawn Batman Odyssey. Uh, I don't know if you're reading. I can tell you it does. Yeah. Okay. Because damn that. Ah, yeah. Anyway, I remember starting that book and being totally (laughs) fucking confused, but uh, that one doesn't make sense with context. That that one doesn't, doesn't get (laughs) better the more that you know about the, the things around it for sure. No, absolutely not. But yeah, I think it's a like excellent place. And then it's nice to take a break, a breath sometimes in this series, just because it's so just intense the entire time. And the mystery just has you like just foaming at the mouth. And it's good to just like take a little break and have some fun. Yeah, to get like a bite-sized single issue mystery is a pretty cool thing, especially because Morrison can do very... Uh, I think complex, good single issue like mysteries, sure. right? Like the time yeah. travel aspect of this is pretty phenomenal for a book that we're just kind of dipping in and out of in one issue. So 
Yeah. So in this first scene, we have Batman, Dick, and Catwoman are all tied up with these hairdresser-looking helmets that um, a doctor has put on them, and they are called maybe machines? What if machines? Maybe machines. Maybe machines. And that doctor and this machine actually like existed and is a part of some comics i found like you know images from batman being under this the machine although it's not originally didn't look like this but you know being in this time travel hypnosis state um even as far back as the, the silver age so just another classic instance of just like oh right I can't assume that anything here is just a new element that I'm dipping into. Like all of it is like, if you Google a thing, it all, it, it all, all fits together. Yeah. Batman loves putting his head in machines. <laughs> he loves yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, isn't this doctor like he had shown up before anytime they needed a Batman time travel story, this yeah. was the guy they'd use. Yeah, exactly. There was sort of this maybe machine as I was reading is the kind of mechanism for being able to go back in time or go to other places, which is, great silver age logic right like in a time yeah, where they were just sure. making stories where it's like let's go to egypt like <laughs> right gotta, gotta get there somehow i know did you guys notice um like from the first page too with when he is in in egypt and running away and he's saying like right left and everything yeah the rest of the issue right and lefts keep being made and it's like it's very interesting so it almost gives this like thought that maybe they're all kind of stuck in the baby machine you know, because it's these directions throughout the entire thing. I didn't catch the directions. That's, that is awesome. I did sort of think about this idea of, like, is this whole thing maybe the maybe machine? Like, how much of this is real or how much of it is the maybe machine? Yeah. It also kind of invokes a choose-your-own-adventure story thing. Like, go right or go left, go right or go left. Yeah, that's you're true. usually limited to directional choices. I, a reading you know, in checking out online and reading some different stuff, uh, a thing that I didn't kind of realize on my reading of it, but once pointed out made a lot of sense is that this moment in time is what is referred to as the end of the new look era. Roman, have you heard of the new look era? Is that a thing that is like, Oh yeah. Which is, um, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. In the silver age. That's when they, um, Oh, that's when they kind <clears> of <throat> went from the sixties goofy, batman to a more i don't know more it wasn't quite the darker look that denny o'neill introduced but it was like the stage between the dark 70s denny o'neill look neil adams look and the earlier 60s goofy science fiction look and and i'm hearing that like um yeah this is yeah like you just said would have like probably chronologically took place right before the neil adams stuff yeah in fact i forgot that now that you say that, I just happened to notice on, there's no page numbers here, on a close-up of Batman's eyes mm -hmm. as he's talking to the Joker, um, and he's got, like, that, that new look. Nose. Yeah, he's got the, yeah. like, little rectangle over the nose and the eyebrows <laughs> on the mask. Batman looks, in the new look era, like, a lot longer and leaner than, too. I remember like going to thrift stores and seeing those comics from the new look era. And it's like, it's not like short little grizzled Batman. It's like tall, lean Batman. And eventually we get our like kind of strapping, super broad chested Neil Adams, like alpha male Batman, but he's like longer and leaner. I remember that direct. Feldman. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So for that time frame, I thought it was really interesting reading somebody else's view of the way that the Joker is portrayed here because it almost has this schizophrenic nature of like Morrison pointing out that this is one of the transitionary periods in the Joker's life where he's going through one of those first metamorphoses. So he's kind of oscillating between being like joke guy here, but then he also like takes this fear gas and like blows it in Robin's face and wants to like cut his mouth open with that double bladed box cutter. And I didn't, that didn't stand out to me on my first read, but I also did really like that idea of Morrison trying to depict sort of one of those early transitionary periods for the Joker and, and do that kind of his, his thesis statement of he and, you know, Joker go through these metamorphoses and, and put it into this story like that. I thought was whether intentionally there or not is a really cool uh, idea. I like that a lot. Like it would be pretty freaky to see him caught like 
stuck between like murder joker and like childish goofy joker because then mm-hmm. you would like he'd be bouncing between like innocent and like pokey proddy to like oh no i'm gonna cut this little kid's face with this double-bladed knife yeah. yes. who just got gassed with like this <laughs> stuff yeah. like poor dick right there it's just like that would be just the most horrifying thing it's like and all then those... you got that pat on that would yeah. just just piss me off because they're so silly <laughs> there's the uh yeah it's like those creepy couples at parties who you walk by and they're like smoking weed and then blowing it into each other's mouths while they're kids. <laughs> like why is that the way that you have to be doing this and there's yeah. like, a weird joker you know robin scene where he kind of does that same thing to him another thing i found that i didn't know at all was that there has been two mad hatters and roman i'm sure knows that maybe both of you guys know that but this is the second mad hatter who actually wasn't insane in the way that um tetch was and he if i read this right roman he actually was just a guy who really wanted i believe batman's hat for his collection yeah it's cal yeah and that's why joker refers to him as tediously sane in here by like <laughs> yeah. comparison because he's actually not a crazy villain i didn't know until this morning there was two mad hatters or anything but just like what a weird fucking thing to throw in like oh yeah i'm using the more obscure you know mad hatter that ultimately becomes hat man he's just like very insecure about his male pattern baldness and yeah. he's like if i had that thing that batman has maybe maybe finally i'd feel okay i need the perfect hat yeah, yeah and i don't rem- i don't remember this original mad hatter if <clears throat> if he's this this way like when he his original appearances but i like how joke jokers or more geez joker morrison is uh <laughs> kind of portrays him as like this yosemite sam like pulls out his six guns and really long six guns it's all yeah. it up in the background <laughs> i almost think this is the best written like mad hatter in any story that i've really read just yeah, like where are everyone the good mad hatter does stories. so good yeah <laughs> like I think the animated series has got some cool mad hatter shit that's the only one that comes to mind for me. Oh, yeah. yeah, Robin Year One, yeah. like he fought him there, and like that was, but it was like a, more of a Robin. Like Matt Hatter was just kind of there. So to the to Robin be beat Year up, beat One up. point, Josh, where do you fall on the Chuck Dixon scale? Right, we know we know Justin on a scale of one to ten, ten being Justin, mm-hmm. the the lover, the definitive Chuck <sighs> Dixon uh, fan. Where do you fall? I'm a Dixie chick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I think I have to be too. Yeah, you know, I like, can like, totally see the two of you guys like reading Nightwing issues together yeah, or something. I know. <laughs> and then, then Robin won right there, you know, and mm-hmm. then we'd go like outside and pretend that we were them and have that same fight against Blockbuster or something, <laughs> someone like that. So it's Firefly. Uh, yeah, I mean that's how I cut my teeth. I love it. I love it. I I my I wish that I had had somebody on the journey with me as a young and mine was mostly like can anyone will anyone please read this can I get someone to please read this you <laughs> Danny yeah. read this okay fine I will I guess like um that that's that's very very good what else in this opening scene are we missing you know I didn't notice it on my first read through but um when Batman breaks while the Joker's torturing Robin Batman breaks out of his restraints and when he and when he kicks Joker that's the page when all this, when subtly the art changes and Batman's face is more in shadow, like the new look O'Neill stuff. Well, that's true. Interesting. Yeah, oh. and, and and Riddler calls him Cape Crusader. Right. And Batman says, "Don't call yeah. me that again." And I didn't realize when I read that I was like, "Why is he saying that?" Right. And it's because he's now switched to to more an, a, the next stage of Batman. He's the wow. Dark Knight at this point. Yeah. And. Yeah that's awesome i i had read somebody else sort of bring up that him denying being called the cape crusader at this point so what does that mean like so is cape crusader the term that kind of embodies that globe trotting svelte era pre-darkness um to me it kind of embodies it embodies the tv show era the 60s um, okay yeah which because that's how they always referred to him and robin in that show I've never yeah, seen his, that show. I think it's his more like capital H heroic. Like sometimes you see, you even see Batman and Robin out in the daytime kind of, you know, era of like these guys are, you know, there was a huge attempt to make Batman less of a crime fighter and more of a hero. And they made him the Caped Crusader. And then as we transitioned closer to the 80s, he started going by the moniker of the Dark Knight back to like, you know, 
Batman's a street soldier rather than like a hero. And I think that that's what that's embodied there. Cause Cape Crusader was like, you know, ha ha, I'm Batman and I'll put a smile and kids brush your teeth. <laughs> yeah. And he would be emceeing like parades and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Shaking the mayor's hand. <laughs> He's always yeah. been so on point about making sure people's teeth are brushed. Yeah. With the bat brush, of course. Well, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, bat he's got in your bat pace proprietary <laughs> toothbrushes that he throws out at, uh, at <laughs> carnivals and shit. But he, you know, just to get you home, you have to go to Walmart and buy them. And Halloween for sure. Mm-hmm. I thought um, it was cute. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of that era, era, I thought it was cute that uh, after him and Robin escaped, take care of the villains that uh, Morrison threw in Chief O'Hara, who's from yeah. the TV show. <laughs> okay. And and of course, Gordon's like O'Hara, please. <laughs> right. I love. Yeah, how much even, you know, we could talk about how much he puts overall Batman canon and comic continuity into this singular run, but he clearly loves that Adam West show. He like, does. This is, this is him saying, like, that happened. That is an important. <laughs> For sure. Maybe even Grant Morrison's favorite part of Batman. I yeah. heard that Adam West and Burt Ward went to, like, at the Playboy Mansion, like some sort of sexual thing at the Playboy Mansion, and they made people refer to them as Batman and Robin the whole time. Have you ever heard that story? I now I feel oh. like that I'm mentioning it on the the podcast. I have to confirm it, but um, it certainly sounds like an anecdote I've probably heard. I, I totally yeah, believe. Right in the hype chain train, you know, they're like, ha ha, this is our job. We'll just ride this to the millions and get to go to the Playboy Mansion. And hell yeah, call me Batman. Right. I'm a little surprised that Burt Ward would do that, though. I could totally <laughs> see Adam West yeah. doing that. But Burt Ward, oh, yeah. he's, he's a little yeah. nice fella. He's just a yeah. nice little fella. Turns out Adam West was a pervert. I just Googled and <laughs> turns out, I just, the, the top line that came up was that Adam West was having sex with six women a night. Um, so the fucking 60s, six. geez. I guess the 60s. I don't know. He really thought he was Batman. Yeah. Yeah. It's method acting, really. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the optimum man. Um, My friends. My friends. The following page. Oh, Oh, yes. Frank Quitely. There he is. Love it. Hey, Josh, how do you feel about Frank Quitely? It's okay. This is a safe space. You don't have to like him. I just have to get everyone's feeling about him when they show up. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm a fan. Thank God. Yeah, I like, I kind of, if I had been introduced to him in my early Batman years, like when I just like wanted Jim Lee all the time, I would have been thrown off a lot. Yeah. But, you know, when I saw it for Batman and Robin, which I know that you did too when you were very first introduced, I was just like blown away. And it was a breath of fresh air, like you've all said, after R.I.P. And it's just so dark and dank yeah. and confusing. So it was good to see some like kind of pop and color. And long you know, legs and just the longest legs he he draws a long leg good thighs good mm-hmm. thighs oh, yeah. and so yeah i was like i'm always excited to see it and that's why this issue is just so nice because you get just get seven more pages just yeah. a little bit more in a world where we thought that. we weren't getting any more at all we got we only had three issues you know yeah. oh, i know what a travesty so that first scene did take place under the giant uh, head, headline of yesterday. And now with the Frank Quietly art, we've moved to today where Damien and Dick are going, Dick Bats, are going down into this basement that has had a locked door. It had been locked from the inside. The police had gotten a tip off and Gordon called them in. And it is the same doctor from the first portion of this story that had created the maybe machine that Batman would go to. And he's dead. And he's got a laser hole in his chest. But Dick estimates that he should only be about 60 years old. And he looks to be about 80 years old. Mystery. Quietly can draw a beautiful dead old guy. That is a stunning. I love all of his like rigor mortis wrinkles in his face. And it's just I love when Frank quietly just lets himself draw really like ugly, grotesque things. Because he's so good with the extraneous line and. Love it. And I love the strong jaw that he always, in chin, he gives Dick Grayson. Oh, yeah. He gives yeah, him a real where he's still, jaw. like, like thin, you know, and felt like Dick should be, but he does have the bat chin. Yeah. It's not the bat chin, but it's a damn good one. It's a pretty batted out chin, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually impressed of how much story and mystery building we get when, in reality, we actually only spend one page in this basement here. For sure. But just the idea of, like, the wound's clean, it's been cauterized, there's medications for dementia, 
he should only be in his 60s, but he's at least 80 here. Like, just a lot of, like, okay, what's going on here? Right. It's very kind of uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Like Arthur Doyle. You know, it's like, that's such a good setup. Yeah, like the speckled band, you know, those snakes. Or, that's one of my favorite Sherlock yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and a brief like, one I know. And a brief... <laughs> <laughs> and a brief kind of throwaway dialogue that turns out to be important later when when dick Betts asks officer, officer bailey how his kid is mm-hmm. um because that kid's gonna come be important later in the future how do, does it who is the kid um well, we're not we're not there yet but i think oh, okay I, I, <laughs> you've got me you've got me uh, you're giving uh. me blue bat balls roman <laughs> Bear with it, old chum. Okay. <laughs> oh, my old, my I don't know pervert. if I can take it. <laughs> Omen man always yeah. makes me have blue bat balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Roman, you're like Adam West in the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> Can't stop you. He's excited now. <laughs> I just loved that line because it, it felt to me like Morrison really having a handle on sort of how Dick Grayson as Batman is different than Bruce Wayne as Batman. And just to see him walking down the stairs and to say like, you know, Hey, officer Bailey, how's your kid doing? You know, like is that's the kind of thing that separates, I think Bruce from Dick, as much as I would like to think that Bruce would be kind and want to know how people are doing, you know, he's just like a priority. Machine. Yeah. He's a machine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He probably wouldn't bother asking. I mean, later on he, he might, if there was a reason to, he might recount to, to Robin. Oh yeah, that was Officer Bailey, his son. Blah 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 blah. But he wouldn't bother ever speaking to Officer Bailey. And he'd make sure the medical bills were paid and the med- you know the yeah. wheelchair was bought. Right. He'd check in from the shadows and make sure the kid's doing all right. But he sure as hell wouldn't let anyone know that he cares. And that's right. and when he's know, in crime mode. Yeah, yeah. And he's always in crime mode. I, I my interpretation is the same as yours, Jeff, which is like no surprise. But um. You know, I love that Dick Grayson is the kind that's going to, like, know the cops personally. Like, remember, like, oh, yeah, he's got the kid. And where I, I imagine Bruce is, like, too busy being, like, like deducing every single thing that he forgets the human element. So, right. Um, and this also seems like that's Dick's style of in, uh, detective work. He, like, talks to people, interviews them, gets their narrative, their understanding, rather than just, like, purely computational. So... All right, Morrison, mm-hmm. he's good. Dick used to be a cop, too, in Bloodhaven. And so, you know, that kind of yeah. relates to, like, you know, how their job is every day, too. You know, he, he's been on both sides of that line. Yeah. And it's just that great instance good of, point. like, character work that, you don't. it doesn't need to be explained, right? It says a lot about Dick Grayson as Batman just in that one statement of talking to the police officer. It's just, you know, strength of writing. I think a lot of people, a writer would be like, yeah, you always sure do make it a point to check in with us police in the last six (laughs) months. It's very cool that you're so friendly now, right? And like, you can see a lot of comics would do that. And this is just sort of like that general respect for the reader that at some point frustrates people because they're like, don't respect me so much. Please tell me what's going on here. But I I really love it. On the following page, we get a shot of the Batmobile flying under a bridge. I love that shot. Damn yeah, it, if that's shot. not the stuff that I love about Quietly. Like, ugh. Yeah, and it's kind of a Mobius, too, with just, like, how the space works. There's just so much there, you know? Yeah, that's a great call-out, yeah. And you see, like, how all the different types, like, the topography of Gotham, like, that buildings look really small, and it looks almost like a European city rather than, like, this giant, you know, American-style metropolis. You see all the kinds of... Um, I don't know, facets of Gotham. I, I like seeing the architecture from a different kind of perspective. And, you know, Quietly does a really good job of like, oh, this is just like the slums that they pass through every night, you know? And just like the brickwork on that bridge is so gorgeous. In those first three issues of this run, like Quietly did a lot of those sort of thin panels that are really wide and show a huge amount of land. And I absolutely love it. You just mentioned the architecture of uh, Gotham and we've got Josh here. So I'm just going to get a really, another quick one to 10 score gates of Gotham by Scott Snyder and Kyle Higgins. Go. Oh man. Um, I really enjoyed it. Really? Uh, like I probably give it like my per like my personal view. It's like an eight, but as like a whole story, it's probably like, like a, a seven, like okay. there as far as a Batman story. But I thought that it showed the world really well, a good history of Gotham. And then you get to see some characters like the Black Bat that you'd get to see like one time in a comic book and then it was all over. So I thought it was a good like culmination of how the like the family at that point 
and everyone working together. Um, it came up on another podcast just recently and I was like, I haven't read that in so long and don't even remember it. So I'm glad to have a, a Snyder, a Snyder scholar here. I really loved just this scene of Dick Grayson with Damien showing up on the anniversary of Bruce's death or parents' death to, to drop off this black wreath, you know, in crime alley. I had hoped actually that we were going to then see Damien like do the same thing in the future world. And I, wouldn't be surprised if there's some script or some issue out there where Damien does do that. But I just loved the transition of Bruce and Dick's relationship of him being his ward to being like his best friend is, is really rewarding. And to, to see him like care enough about honoring his friend's parents to make sure and like put this wreath under this lamp at, while Bruce is gone is just a really um, super touching to me. I, I really like that bit of work. That's so yeah. good. And then even Bruce is like his son isn't as interested in doing that yeah and that's that's up to the to the to the ward and the best friend i also love the tween titans yeah poster right there that's nice yeah that cracked me up too because um i love the dc superhero girls cartoon show yeah you do (laughs) and and there's a i think it's the same character actors from teen titans go show up on that as like younger versions of themselves that um, Jessica Cruz and Bumblebee have to babysit at Wayne Ugh. Manor. <laughs> and of course they go nuts and the young Titans destroy the place. And they're referred to as the tween Titans. Oh, and, it's right. also, and also on that show, it their version of Robin is one of my favorite versions of Robin because he's just this little freckle faced punk ass jerk. And he's not a, he's not a good detective or anything, but he's just such a little prick. <laughs> in Teen Titans Go, Robin? No, no, in uh, DC Superhero Girls. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and, and 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 all the girls hate him, and he's just he's just such a little monster. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say I like this next page because I love me a, a quietly fight scene. Yeah, um, yeah. He just does them so excellently, like the texture of everything, like the glass, like for the car when Damien kicks that guy like i love when quietly like does glass or anything like that the texture is just phenomenal no i that's one of those i couldn't agree more his broken glass like nobody quite quite draws broken glass like him yeah i almost wonder like you gotta get you gotta get quietly breaking some glass in this issue kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the whole flow of that action is so cool i mean the way robin sticks the one big mutant in the with his batarang and batman follows up on it and robin like hurls the other guy through the windshield it's just great and it's yeah. just cool to get you know the mutants like for sure more yeah, this puts some other elseworld type stories like batman beyond or dark knight returns and, and allows them to exist within this space even though his um damien future line kind of precludes dark knight returns and, and implies that it couldn't exist but i like that he leaves space for it here yeah, sure. and it's a hint to the future. Like, things are going to get worse before they get better. And the mutants yeah. are a, a symbol of, like, societal decay. For sure. Yeah, is it, isn't this, Josh, isn't this the first um, appearance of the mutants gang in, like, regular, at the time, current Batman continuity? I, I think it was because, you know, that it was just the Dark Knight was just kind of so sacred that no one would touch it. I think it was a big move and sort of like Batman controversial at that time, like to put them in there. But I think that's right. There's like competing futures. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, I love that. Yeah. That concept is amazing. And the way that he allows a couple of them to exist within this one is awesome. You know, like the Batman beyond stuff with the Damien stuff. I like that he moves time around yeah. in such a way that that those two things really exist. Smart way to do it too. I thought it was interesting that we get, Lone or Lone-Eye Jackson, Lone-Eye Lincoln in here, who is the person that sold Bruce the heroin um, in, or that he goes to find the heroin from in the RIP issue. Wow. Um, is that the same guy? Yeah, that Honor, like he, Honor Jackson kind of sends him to go find. Oh, that's right. Wow. Um, so, so it kind of answers cool. the question as to whether or not um, that person was a hallucination. And it's it and they are in Climb Alley too, and that's kind of where he was sending Bruce through. Yeah, that's yeah, so cool. Some underworld stuff on there. there. Yeah, cool. That yeah, that is awesome. I thought I felt like we were supposed to know who this guy was, but I, I didn't realize. I like him a lot. Yeah. Yep. And those gorgeous shots, and then there's that wonderful, wonderful Dick Grayson smile. <laughs> so good. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I just really love this. I mean, obviously, it, this is my favorite part of the whole book. Um, and, like, it's probably just connective and not really, not much story stuff happens, but lots of character stuff. And it feels kind of eter- eternal. Like, there is a part of the city where Dick and Damien are Batman and they get to have their own adventure. And this is their daily thing, you know. And I just love the reverence that, it, that um, Dick shows the Batman legacy. And um, that's really like, I don't know if anyone else would do it. Like Dick does like honoring the legacy of Batman and stuff that kind of shows the specialness of that character. Even as just being a, the next Batman aside, you know, he, he really does love Bruce. Um, and so this, like this gave me the, the heart feels where the other ones do other cool things. But I was like, oh, it's really cool to, I think that Dick Grayson and Damien, like we all love them as, as the dynamic duo, but that's my favorite dynamic duo. So it's mm-hmm. awesome just to get another little space where they can kind of exist forever. The The next page is like a silent sequence of those two kind of just doing great stuff, fighting crime, saving people from a burning building, but then like sharing pizza and coffee at one point. And there was a Comics Alliance article that said this, that um, pointed out how amazing if we could have gotten like that one more page done by Quietly. I would have yeah. loved to see Quietly draw, you know, Dick Grayson and Damien sharing pizza and coffee and just being buddies because, yeah, dang, it's some great yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh. that would have been, looked so good. Um, you guys get kind of a Watchmen vibe with the flaming building and then the Batmobile, oh, like, shoved like, into it. Like the Night Owl uh, yeah. rescue scene? I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah, just, like... It just jingled a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting. Scott Collins has a pretty uh, distinct art style. He's done a lot of flash work, particularly. And this just doesn't look at all like his work, which is bizarre. No, you got, do you like yeah. this? I do like it. Um, I don't dislike it. It's. I wish that Quietly had, had, you know, had the chance to get those three extra pages um, I feel like as a whole, it would have worked a little bit better if there was, you know, like three discrete artists, right? And to me, right. it's, it feels a little bit like Quietly couldn't make the deadline, so they had to get somebody to, at the last minute, come in and do three pages or something. But I do think that, like, it is a kind of watercolory art style, and I feel like there is even some art like that that happens later on in the run um, at some point. I actually might be mistaken, but it, it doesn't feel wholly out of place but um no yeah i don't i don't mind it yeah i don't mind it but it is it it did jar me a little bit just because when the art style shifted i i had to look back at the top of the page to say oh are we in a different time oh no it's still dick and dick and damien okay yeah right yeah it's like it's a it's a trip up like i had to readjust myself yeah for sure which you know um you take what you can get with quietly I, you know he's notorious for missing deadlines and being slow so right. you know if right. we got five pages and had to get three from somebody else i'll, I'll call it a win we for go sure. to this like auction and it is that same mad hatter who's now uh gone on to a different identity the hat man or something but he's mm-hmm. conducting the auction uh for this Joker's joke book. So that the joke Joker's joke book was in the first portion of this in the yesterday portion. Um, what is the, the significance Mad- of that? I don't know. I just like that the Mad Hatter stole it during that whole situation. And now he's selling it. Like that's like a okay, clever little mode, but I've, I've never heard of it before though. They make it sound like we should know what it is. It felt like almost like the mystery of this issue was somehow going to be related to that journal or something because it gets just a little bit more dialogue than a throwaway item. So I was confused if I was missing something about like sort of what it is. Yeah. Roman's got I, something. I thought it was kind of a a red herring and supposed to be kind of maybe a, a, a companion to Batman's um, black casebook. Black casebook. Except That's... I think somewhere in this story. Or maybe I'm confusing something I read in Cody Walker's book, but Ugh. it's revealed that there's nothing written in the Joker's joke book because the Joker doesn't write stuff down. He doesn't care about keeping a record right. of stuff. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it say, like, I think maybe inside here that it's with invisible ink or something? Yeah, that's it, with invisible ink that only insane people can read. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> I love that's that. a very yeah. Morrison idea, right? right. Mm-hmm. Well, that was wonderful. And just that the Joker would just, like, care about this book a lot for this one moment and then he kind of dies and then is reborn <laughs> in that panel so maybe he's just like oh i don't care about that 
Yeah. <laughs> to close out this time, you know, moment, we get Dick and Damien talking on a rooftop. Damien says something foolish, and Dick says, you'd be the worst Batman ever. And Damien says, you know, like, questions him. He's like, how am I supposed to follow your insane leaps of illogic? And he said, maybe. Maybe when you do, uh, you'll be good enough to be Batman, finally. Trust me, that is. And I just, I love that being the end of this sequence to then go into the future where Damien is Batman and he is a good Batman and he is a good detective. And it's just like, you know, it, it tells you a ton by not telling, like just by making you understand there's a giant time jump that was saying, you know, he couldn't have been a good Batman and then he becomes one. It's like a montage without needing any music or montage scenes. For sure. Morrison's yeah. a master at like telling, letting you make the cognitive, leading you to a cognitive leap you have to make. Right. Which makes it more significant. And you feel like you're kind of more part of the story, you know, if you kind of just like feel that instead of read it. Right. Man. The, and the art on this one is uh, Andy Cooper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this first panel, I mean, geez, Batman's Damien Batman is fighting some kind of cyborg guy that's all torn up and, and <laughs> being shredded up. And he's, Driving a real crazy-looking Batmobile. I guess that's a Batmobile. It's pretty wild. It's yeah, bigger it's... than his other one in 666. Yeah. yeah. That Damien was like likes a, a small a car. car. Yeah. He does like a small yeah. car. Um, did, did any of you guys read all of that Damien Son of Batman miniseries from like five years ago that Andy Kubert wrote Andrew? Justin, wow. I thought, Probably. I, I thought you did. Yeah, I read... Um, I guess I can't feel bad about it, but I read like the first two... I, I read the first one and was just yeah. like, oh, this is not Morrison writing Damien. This is a less proficient writer. It's an artist writing, you know, an important story that I think was a fully formed time in Morrison's life. So to just have somebody else dip in, I remember being really disappointed by that. But his art is gorgeous here. And if you like right. seeing it, maybe check out the miniseries Damien's oh. Batman. Yeah, they... I, man, I totally collapsed that in my mind with another Damien story. That's where they're in this future. Yeah. And it is I not... I love this feature. That's a travesty. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Andy, you're dead to me. It's better to just <laughs> maybe think that it didn't happen. Because, yeah, yeah, those kinda. those artist uh, vanity project stories where like they get to write their own story, but they've never written before are always yeah. a little yeah. bit uncomfortable. It's kind of weird that he does a story that like he drew for someone else who wrote it. Yeah. Like, hang on, Grant. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow Let up me, in what you do. Don't worry. I got a plot. I got a script. Don't worry about it, Grant. Yeah. I don't need you over here. Yeah. I'll kill him. Um, <laughs> and and this is the point. This villain, this cyborg dude, he's he's the son of Officer Bailey. Oh. Oh. Damn. How it, and why? Fucking good. Um, because Batman. Batman's talking about how a madman called January, and when he confronts him, he's talking to him, and then he says his name, January, Max. And Max uh, was the, the name of the Officer Bailey's son. And he definitely doesn't have legs. He has robotic legs, so... Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Wow. Took a bad turn. Took a yeah. bad turn. Nice catch, Roman. Yeah, I did get... Hat. That's excellent. That poor fuck, and now he has to deal <laughs> with Damien Batman, who's yeah. just yeah. <laughs> gonna let him die to the evil mutant rats? Gotham is rough. Yeah. is rough yeah I, could, I, get, I, I got a little bit lost in the weeds with the whole like two face two you know robot, and then january you betrayed yourself january like the the who's of of that got a little bit confusing for me me too this oh, yeah. is where i lost the thread and like entirely forgot it was a time travel story like i was like is this in batman's head where, where am i right um, which is you know classic uh morrison dysphoric disorder but um yeah I, I lost the thread here though damien is very cool and very bad yeah but for as much as the thread does get a little bit lost here the conclusion to the mystery kind of comes out of it in a in a pretty clear like even though that some of the conclusions and how we get there are a little bit confusing when he answers this idea of the mystery um you almost don't need to know exactly the context around it because you're like, oh, I, I really liked his explanation for the, the murder mystery in this. Oh, no, yeah, I totally attribute to me getting lost to me. Like, I think there's probably all the answers you need are in this story. I just, like, I was like, oh, what the fuck's going on? Um, and kind of lost the thread of the story myself, but I, I guarantee you it's there because Morrison is badass. And the joke book is here, too. Yeah, and Roman caught the Max and the January stuff, so I'm sure wiser minds than myself... Uh, knew it but i was able to just sort of be like okay whatever gets me to the, the moment where the doctor 
has two doctors there. There's the old 80-year-old person who is how old he would be in this time frame. But there's also the younger doctor who has gone to the future. The old version of him gets killed. And then he takes that old version back to the Dick Grayson Batman's murder scene with the locked room, drops him off there, calls the police, and dips out. So he has framed his murder that he committed on, you know, on himself on somebody else. And then he dips out. So what I really like is we have a young version of that doc is just out time traveling somewhere Mm -hmm. with no conclusion. And I don't know if we've ever seen him again. Not that I know. Give me a time travel story where this guy comes back to mess with Batman. Let's pay attention as we go further because they do some future stuff in Batman Inc. And maybe we all just don't remember that we, that we, ran into it and return of bruce wayne as well like who knows there is a lot of time traveling stuff that goes on and i just don't remember very well so i'm excited to get into that but i thought this was a really fun like okay cool so he murdered himself and brought the body back in times that he could now go missing throughout time and you know be robbing pyramids or the louvre or whatever he's out doing yeah right for sure and it seemed like the joker really kind of like traumatized him so maybe he just like dipped out to like the beginning of time and just like was just as far away from people as like humanly possible yeah i'm done get me the fuck away from this guy well so do you guys feel like because by the end of this it almost feels like there's a kind of menace to him am i making that up do you guys feel like he has an almost villain like thing or do you actually think that he i mean he's he's still like good good guy i feel like he's doing something sinister like he wants to undo the joker okay Uh, maybe I don't know. I, I just, I really trust people. I'm kind of naive in that way. So I, I didn't catch that, but it very well might be. Just his yeah, smile I, as he's disappearing seems pretty... Uh, oh, that's very true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I don't know what to think. I didn't get the sinister thing, but maybe because, like, what's his motivation for traveling around in time so much and doing all this stuff? Is he trying to unmake the Joker, or is he trying to advance his own his own yeah. existence what's going on <laughs> yeah he did call the cops like in the past to like help yesterday batman and robin yeah that's true it's yeah. Not all bad. but i wonder if that was just so that he could have like the cops would then assume that he's dead and be yeah. free to go do something i like the difference that justin and i are like generally <laughs> skeptical paranoid people <laughs> and roman and josh are like yeah not yeah. it's so fine. they don't read it <laughs> i think that this time travel guy is trying to insult me me personally <laughs> insult my job my he's career. behind that door behind you oh yeah. no <laughs> um let's see here and then we get um the little joker baby ends up being little baby batman beyond which yeah terry yeah. mcginnis is like terry mcginnis gross joker batman baby Oh, yeah, that was they're horrible. That was so cool because you know we had thought that that Damien becoming Batman after Bruce dies invalidated the Batman Beyond universe, but Morrison saying no, no, Batman Beyond happens too somehow. Yeah. Don't, don't don't think about it too much. In yeah. fact, Harry, the old Bruce is just old Damien, and that works really well. Yeah, I would love to see a comic like that. But yeah. Terry McGinnis, like trained and mentored by Damien is a very different Batman than yeah, trying yeah. to get us trained and mentored by Bruce Wayne. I'm almost yeah. maybe more interested in it though, right? Like right. we know what happens when Bruce Wayne trains kids up and it's pretty good, but what the fuck happens when Damien plays a father role? Probably right. not super, super good. Right. And like when Batman beyond his suit and everything, he's like such a powerful character kind of, despite himself what happens when damien like weaponizes that right that's a that's a good way to like in a bad way just end crime like oh no he's just gonna like end everything but i do love that idea i mean you sort of the implied story arc of damien of slowly learning the respect of carrying the mantle you know like becoming a better detective and becoming i think a better human being even though he's still murdering motherfuckers but (laughs) he saves the child though that joker child and that shows yeah, that's true. Compassion and not just killing a, a Joker baby. That's true. Yeah, he didn't eat, just euthanize him like you'd expect. Yeah. Right. And he's gotten pretty icky in that way before. I mean, he didn't really care too much to save Scarlet, so it does show yeah. that, like, okay, this time maybe I'll save the child. Yeah. Even he's got these horrible little, like, monster teeth. 
because he felt really bad about not saving saving Scarlet. Yeah. Um, I really like the fact that when it shows it shows that uh, that Morrison shows that Damian Damian Batman had revived Bruce Batman's Brother Eye program because yeah everybody got down on Bruce for doing that. Then Damian's like, hey, it works. Let's do it. That yeah. seems like a thing that Damian would have no problem with. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Now, I don't want to spoil the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker movie because I think that, like, that movie is super dark and super awesome and has one of the better, like, endings of of Batman stories. But in this single-page issue of the Batman Beyond universe of Anne Tomorrow, there are two pictures that show the Joker, and it looks like the way the Joker is portrayed in that movie of just, like, the all-black outfit and, like, the greased back hair it's and, the same cast of villains from that movie too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scarecrow dude and like the the little clown lady well, twins. Yeah, yeah. They were like in every episode, and yeah. just seeing the Joker like that, like I got like a spike of fear because yeah. that movie sort of traumatized me. It's so just seeing him again. Way uh, too traumatized. Like that was darker than any Batman animated series moment. Or I mean, for me, that really like yeah is. Uh, if you haven't seen Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, you don't have to necessarily know that cartoon show much. You can just watch that movie and dig it. But anyone listening, if you haven't seen it, go check that out. Except for Django, because I don't think he'd like it. Because he didn't <laughs> like it. Oh, God. Oh, God. Roman, have you seen that movie? I think Probably. so. I Maybe. think I have, but yeah, I don't remember. I want to see it again now. It's a good one. Uh, we, we go to a AD 3000, and I love this, just sort of like broken down apocalyptic world with robot police saying resistance is impossible and you see somebody like painting a bat signal on a rock and then we just get a rando super muscular batman and a kid with guns like taking out robots like does your issue what you're going does that have a date on there because just the normal comic has like no date right there. oh really yeah oh, really? yeah it's this 80 fascinating 3000 yeah, it says 83,000, and the following page says 803050. Yeah. A lot changes in 50 over years. Wow, and then, yeah, then the final one is 85,298. Which is... We got Batman 1 million in there. Yeah, is that, that Batman... Yeah, Batman 1 million, which is the other... Morrison did that whole 1 million... I've never read any annual. Of I think they were all oh, annuals. Yeah. And it showed I all the Justice League. Yeah. Robot, Robot Robin. I love him so much. He's yeah, like, Robot Robin is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I need to read it. You guys are all excited about a thing I know nothing about. Dang. Oh, I'm sure we have some of the issues at the oh, shop. I'm sure. I'm sure I, got, yeah. I know a guy with 12 long boxes of Batman no. comics. <laughs> um, hey, Roman, is there any historical precedent for, like, weird Kirby-esque Commandy Batman in AD 3000? I, I didn't I've, think about Commandy, but you're right, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out if that is a an oblique reference to something. And no, not, not that I know of, not for Commandy. And I was also trying to think... Is this related to like I can't remember my I forgot to look it up to see if like the Atomic Knights future is in like three thousand or when that is, but it definitely has that feel of that kind of future dystopian DC story from the Silver Age. Yeah, and who's this this girl? Do you think she's just some random girl that because in the future her skin is blue, or is it? You know, I was trying to like figure out who that could be, and in my mind I thought it was uh, Mrs. Mrs. Freeze. Oh, see, I, oh. I don't know. I thought it was just some random girl. Her skin doesn't look blue in my. Oh, it looks. It looks kind of grayish blue in mine. I wonder what the quite pale. Yeah. 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 Seeing when these robots robots show up, I because of their the design of their head helmet, I thought, God, is that an Atomic Knights reference or like Jay Garrick Flash reference? I couldn't. Oof. Well, let's just remember everything happens with Morrison, so it's <laughs> from somewhere. Yeah. yeah right. Um, I really liked in the following scene, it's this, you know, 80, 30, 50 is what it's labeled in these omnibuses as, but there's just sort of a computer talking and it's this very like Nugos, Thotropolis, Megurb, <laughs> but it's, it keeps sort of talking about like mood manipulation, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, new, new mood, mood. Zivak. Yeah. This. Yeah, and the anti-utopian army, no more mood control, no more no more do as you please. Like, just this weird, like, you know, Morrison's just going to create some one-page world where, you know, like, mood manipulation is how they're controlling mind control and Batman is resisting against... Just, like, you know, I love it. He just leaves little turds of great ideas and then never needs to come back to him. Yeah. I think and Morrison's then, diary is written in that language. Like, that's just how he thinks. Has to be. Yeah. <laughs> Future speak. 
And then I've never read, yeah, Batman 1 million, but we get this shot of, or do those characters seem familiar to y'all? Or is that, I mean, just toy, oh, yeah. toy wonder. Oh, I love yeah. that all three of you know exactly who that is. Yeah. And that's yeah. Batman 1 million. Yeah. I used to, they're not particularly like great issues or great stories or anything, but I used to reread those a lot just because I like love a Batman with like a full face mask. Yeah. yeah I think it looks see. super, super sweet. Yeah, I remember the Batman 1 million and the Flash 1 million were, I think, my favorite ones of the 1 million stories. Hmm. And then, of course, they had Justice League 1 million. Yeah, there's even, like, Azrael 1 million. and (laughs) They really went for it. But no, Plastic Man 1 million, damn it. (laughs) Which he'd still be alive, so... He would. Maybe Uh, in an egg again. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah dark knight strikes again references um this whole thing ends within just like uh no matter where no matter how dark and then gordon presumably lighting up the bat signal and that's just the proverbial know, bat signal as yeah. as you know stereotypical of a morrison end issue you know as it could be just sort of like embracing the eternal nature of batman and that he's always going to be there no matter time no matter space there's always going to be a batman because batman as an idea is one of the greatest ideas that's ever been created so I love that. Love I love you. Mm-hmm. What, what a thing. So we, what we like this issue. People feel good about it. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. I love the the ending. Really got me back in the day. Like it gave me the the Batman is awesome chills that you get quite a bit in the last chapter and quite a bit in this this middle part. Um, I really like that issue. I think it's interesting where they placed it. I don't actually remember exactly the chronology of like when it came out. Like it came out somewhere that it was like maybe right after return of bruce wayne number two or something but it does seem like a really good thing to put right here right before this beginning of the next arc which does deal so much with like time and time travel and the and, you know, eternal nature of batman so i think it really does sort of um sets sets the palette for what's about to come for sure we're about to get buck wild in time buck wild i know the next several weeks are going to be crazy i'm very very excited for it because uh, next monday we will be reading uh batman and robin number 10 right yeah i think it is yeah 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 right? 10. yeah yep yeah. uh yeah those issues that those months like were so long between yeah. issues because i just think about the mystery and then like you talk about in every batman and robin you have those three panels for the next issue and I just think, I would think about this all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Google yeah. search them. Like, what could decipher yeah. the possible implications? So, so yeah, I, I really, I think this issue is a really cool instance of Morrison just doing a one shot that fits really well within his mythos of Batman and kind of does what the whole run attempts to do, which is um, pay respect to the entire entirety of what has come before it and what, you know, seems to come after it. And I, I think, this guy writes a really good single issue, you know? I think that as a skill is a thing that a lot of people don't demonstrate quite as well. And then I could see, I would be interested to hear Django's thoughts on this issue because it might, I I don't know that he would be in general as glowing about it as we are, but I think it works really well. In general, he's just not very glowing as a Satanist, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, he's got the blood room. Everything is bald to Django. (laughs) Um, Well, Josh, thank you for your email, by the way. You do that anytime you want. That was a ton of fun. Oh, man, I had, like, a lot of fun writing it, and it's just, like, baked off of the enthusiasm of what y'all have been doing, and just, like, I've had a really good time. I even walked out to the apartment repairman and gave him a piece of paper with Batman and Quarantine on it, like, <laughs> want to spread the word, you know, and he was kind of like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I hate away. having to work over here. Yeah. That gets really weird. <laughs> Um, you guys i've got an email from the incredible andrew carlson titled batman 700 so he was here he was ready he got the email on the day of recording well played andrew carlson friend of the show um hey guys this was a fantastic issue and it reminded me a lot of hickman's avengers run when captain america is shot forward in time and shown a bunch of different incarnations of the avengers world that's an awesome Mm. comparison and i know justin and i that's like maybe our favorite part of that hickman run so on top of that the subtle touch of the joker baby damien rescues to be terry mcginnis batman beyond was super rad overall loved how it showed the power and potency of the idea of batman through generations which i feel will be a heavy role in the themes of batman incorporated stay awesome and take care damn andrew you're on the beat baby you're on yeah, the beat oh, thank you you're on the bat beat on that on the bat nose 
I love mm-hmm. it. Josh, do you have any other thoughts you need to get out there? Any prayers you need to say? Do you want to come back for a certain uh, episode? Do you want to call a shot? Do you want to just predict when you're going to be back? You have an open invitation anytime, buddy. Wow, yeah. man. I mean, I would I'd love, like, I'm always, always here and ready. Uh, <laughs> I would love to talk about Batman Incorporated without any spoilers, but like issue four or five, you know, we'll three, it. like that mystery let's, with. Let's plan it. Let's plan you know, it. Absolutely. Mysterious things. Let's get Josh uh, in for the beginning of Batman Inc. Wow. Yeah, that would be, that'd be a, a wonderful thing. I've had a really good time uh, following all of you, like rereading this. And, you know, I first read it, you know, 10 years ago. And just as like a reader and experiencing more of the world, it means different things. And it's just as special, but, you know, like I just understand a little bit more in this day and age. So it's been good. One of the most like interesting and rewarding things for me is just seeing how, different things mean to me now you know like we i think we've talked a lot about how just like we're sort of entirely different people now and we're, we're sort of we were entirely different people by the end of this run coming out from the people that started sure. it oh man yeah so you just plumb a lot of different stuff from the depths and it's really you know it's, i think in a time where people should be staying home as much as they possibly can it's cool to get that experience of, of revisiting an emotionally impactful thing and also kind of get to feel like we're all hanging out in a comic shop again yeah, I mean, there was a time 10 years ago where, like, you know, Jeff, Justin, and I were, like, in the comic book shop getting these issues, and Roman was there, and we Game were purchasing them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd love Roman to see, was... like, a montage of those things and us talking about <laughs> that back then, because it's the same conversation. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, <laughs> it's Roman letting these yippy dogs of excitement bite around his ankles. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, fuck the Morrison kids again. Oh, God. I wish they would all just come in at the same time so I didn't have to spend two hours with <laughs> yeah. each of them throughout the whole yeah, day. Talking about the same thing again. I was never like that. Never like that because I'm a Morrison kid too. So it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, Josh, thank you so much for coming in, um, being here. Anyone can write an email in at any given time at Batman in quarantine at gmail.com spelled just like you think it's spelled. Um, and yeah, thanks for giving us two days off this week. We're going to work hard to read some more and record some more so that we'll be able to get uh, some more weeks out without skipping too much time. So everyone, <laughs> as a reminder, oh, oh, very good. Skipping time, <laughs> Roman, you son of a gun, you Batman blue baller, you. <laughs> oh, and then um, also the, yeah. I think Batman and Robin number five, one of the Red Hood issues. Uh-huh. I just listened to it, I think yesterday, and I really liked all of like everything you all said. Like it was just like really illuminated that issue and what I thought was just an action issue, like meant a lot more and who Red Hood, like Jason is to, to Dick, to Bruce, to Damien. Like that was a really like in-depth and illuminating talk. That was, yeah, I was a little bit nervous going into that one. Cause I was like, I don't know how much we have to say, but I was really proud of that episode and the way that it came out. Cause I do like Justin and Roman particularly brought some awesome insight into Jason to that. So that was yeah. the one we recorded when I was down at the shop. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we had a good deep dive on, on that. Poor okay. old Jason Todd. I know. I know. Well, um listen everybody next monday will be batman and robin number 10 and then from there we will be alternating episodes so it's just for next week so you know it's going to be batman and robin number 10 return of bruce wayne number one and batman and robin number two or sorry number 11 which is part two of that next arc so that's the docket for next week thanks again josh thank you everyone for listening thank you um uh on behalf of justin roman and josh i'm jeff this is batman in quarantine and we'll see you all next week